Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Now That We Are A Family podcast. Katie is actually really excited about this episode because she has kept me in the dark as to which questions she is going to ask. We are doing a Q&A, and this is a Q&A that we got from Instagram. For those of you that follow us on Instagram, sometimes on Mondays, actually pretty often on Mondays, we'll run a little Q&A poll, and we love hearing your questions on there, but we do not get the opportunity to answer them on Instagram, so we answer them right here on the podcast, and that's what we're doing today. Folks, if you enjoy this episode, please take the time, please, if you are able to leave a rating or a review on iTunes because we appreciate that on a personal level. We love hearing any words of encouragement from from you. Uh, then unlike more of a business practical level, it helps the biz, the podcast get out, which helps our businesses uh, make money, which helps us keep our children fed. <laughs> Don't play the, the pity card. <laughs> yeah, no, we eat very well. Thanks to Katie's cooking. Anyways, we should probably get this episode rolling. Okay, so I'm excited about this episode, but like to be totally honest, it's really late at night right now and we have not eaten dinner. And so as excited as I am to answer your questions, hopefully this will be, we can kind of like do a rapid fire answer of your questions so that we are able to go eat dinner. Yeah, we had a really good rhythm and routine going with our Monday night uh, content creation schedule, but we got thrown off tonight, uh, because we did something that we haven't done for a long time. So we had a meeting, we had a zoom call. Oh yeah, we did. We had a zoom call in the middle of it. So anyways, that kind of, that kind of ended up growing, growing the night away, but we're here now and we're going to kick it off with a bang tattoos, Elisha. Why or why not? (laughs) Um, I don't have any tattoos. Um, you don't have any tattoos. None of our children have tattoos. We haven't given them tattoos haven't yet. Given them like tattoos. Uh, we yeah, them. I've got zero plans to ever, there's never, I feel like there are so many people that are like, Oh, this is what, if I ever got a tattoo, it would be this or like, man, someday I'm going to get this tattoo. And I've just never had that in my entire life. Like there's never been a quote that I've seen or a piece of art that I've seen or a design that I've seen. That's like, that is what I want to have on my body for the rest of my life. Like that's, I know that is so intimidating. Like, are you kidding me? Way too intimidating of a commitment for me to ever want to make, uh, ever, ever, ever. Like even, yeah, I just like Elisha's name is probably like the closest thing I would consider to having with me but even that it's just like I don't know I don't I also don't love the logistics of having tattoos and wearing certain clothing or stuff like that because when you like I like to dress classic and not like cool necessarily and so I feel like if you have a tattoo showing in like a certain classic dress or something like that it can kind of throw off the vibe so for me it's just it doesn't fit in with anything that that is like appealing to me personally yeah. to have them in body. And I mean, I can speak for myself. I don't know what was for how it was for you growing up, but in our, in my circle growing up, it was tattoos. I don't know if they were taboo, but they were, they were definitely not promoted. You know, we were in a more conservative, um, like homeschool community 
And it just wasn't, I would say that through my teens for the people that were in my community, a tattoo was like a symbol was symbolic of like rebellion. You yeah. It's kind of like it's a like, rebel thing to do. So that's why some people would do it was yes. because it was rebellious. They're seen as rebellious. Yes. And then people who were like us didn't want to be seen like that. And I think that's when like a lot of people make that decision to get into tattoos is when you're younger and you don't have as long of a lifetime commitment. So that's like when you start, I feel Mm. like you're kind of like, Oh, this is cool. And then by that point, maybe when you're an adult later, like you like them. And so you can, you've like already made that commitment. And so it's easier for you to be like, Oh, I'll add this one or I'll add this one. Cause I feel Mm. like people who get tattoos often add tattoos. Yes. It's rare someone just has one. It's kind of like, oh, well, it'd be cool to get this or it'd yes. be cool to get that. You know, you yeah. kind of start to collect them. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. And I think in our circles too, and I'm, this certainly wasn't everybody, you know, but I think just like as a theme that I saw that was something that I did not want to be was when there was the whole pendulum swift, the whole pendulum swift, <laughs> the pendulum swing of going um, from a more conservative, maybe even legalistic at times, um, background and and environment. And then, you know, you grow and you're like, wait a second, Christians can have tattoos or tattoos aren't a sin. Yeah, it's not a sin. (laughs) And same thing with maybe drinking out like Christians can drink beer, you know, or it's like, what's wrong with smoking a cigarette? And these things that were, like I said, emblematic of kind of all lumped together is things you don't do being rebellious. And then you like, you know, start, you have that moment of like, wait a second, you know, like we're saved by grace, his perfect work. I can do what I want to do. I think some people do some things just purely out of, because they couldn't do it before, or it's like out of spite for their parents, um, or for feeling like they were told a lie about something growing up. I think it even happens like in media consumption. It happens in a lot of areas where it's like, yeah, we have to like check ourselves sometimes. Yeah. Sure. You have to think like, okay, what are my, what are my intentions? Yes. Why am I doing this? Like I can listen to this music. It's not wrong. Or I can watch this movie or you're like, yeah, okay. Like great. You know, that's, that's great that you think that, but then is it, is it helpful or is it something that you even want to do for your own reasons? You know? Yeah. That Uh, wasn't a motivator for us to really go out and do much of anything. Like when we became adults and maybe had a broader view of the gospel that, cause I definitely thought tattoos were bad when I was like 10 or 11. Um, my parents never said that, yeah. but that's just something that I assumed, I think, um, by the people we were around and it's still, it's not my, I mean, I married a guy that's tattooless, like, like that's my preference. Um, <laughs> it would be my preference for my children to not get tattoos, um, because I do, that's just my style, but it's not. I don't view them the same way I viewed them at 10 years old at all. I I, like almost all my friends have tattoos now, Um, but it's still not something that's like appealing to me. Like, yeah, I want to go out and do that ever in in my life. So I don't know. Yeah, you're right. That is an interesting thing. I would say more, more ladies I know than guys I know have tattoos. Like, yeah. Within like our Christian community. Yeah. You can see that. Yeah. Hmm. Anyways, yeah. Just, so anyway, so is it I, on the bucket list? Yeah, I guess. it's not just why it's not on the not? it's not on the agenda. Not on the bucket list. Yeah. Um, did you feel isolated when you moved away from your families and support? Nice. Should I ask some, you some of these questions too? 
Sure, Maybe we'll start sure. after this one. Let me ask you two, and then you can okay. ask me too. I'm going to check my phone here because it just dinged. Yes. So did we feel isolated? I think we did at times, and I think we are, we knew that that was going to be something going into it. And of course, you don't know what it's going to feel like, and you don't know how lonely you're going to be or how hard it's going to be being away from family. But we knew that we knew that that was something that we were going to have to deal with. So when we were first married, we lived close to Katie's family for a few years. And then we moved from there to my family's hometown and we were around all of my family for a year. And so moving to here in North Idaho was the first time we were in a town without any immediate family. And um, my family was about, they are about six hours away, six hour drive. And now your family's about a seven hour drive away from us. Um, and so it's definitely like doable. You know, like we still see them. It's not like Mm -hmm. we have to fly across the country, which is nice, but yeah, there were certainly moments and times. And I'd say there still are moments where we're kind of like, Ooh, like that'd be really nice to have family where you're just feeling lonely. You know, you're feeling lonely. You're feeling maybe a little introspective. You're feeling contemplative on the deeper things of life. And you're like, boy, who, who can I be with right now? who that really understands me and gets me and has my best interest. And then we look at each other and we're like, I know who I can be with <laughs> my spouse. Seriously though. I think it's been good for our marriage because that oh, yeah. right there has happened so many times. I do. I do think, I think it's probably been harder for Elisha than for me. Um, maybe I just have like detachment issues. <laughs> I, I think that, um, I think we've touched on this before. Our families have very full, busy lives And so I love quality time with people and just sitting down, getting their full attention, having a long conversation with them and in smaller groups. And so in some ways I like the distance because like my parents are coming through tomorrow. I get to talk to just my mom and dad probably for a few hours. They get to have quality time with just these grandkids instead of, you know, multiple grandkids at one time or something like that. Mm. Um, so I like that quality time aspect or Elisha's parents are visiting us in a couple weeks and like they get that time with the grandkids instead of like 25 kids. I think sometimes when you're just like doing life and blowing in and out and dropping by and saying, hey, and you know, it's that's a really cool aspect of life and we've experienced that. But sometimes you don't ever, it's more rare that you get those like quality conversations that I really crave as far as being close relationally. So I don't know. I think that's, there's like a give and take to it, I guess. Yes. And Cause there's definitely times I wish I could just like pop in at my parents or pop in at Elisha's parents and just, we could swing by for the evening or something like that. Yeah, that is, that is interesting because when we lived in my hometown and this is still something that happens with my family is there's just like a Sunday afternoon dinner and where everybody comes to my parents' house and, uh, that's a lot of, it's just a lot of people, you know, mm-hmm. it's like really fun and it's really great, but that's also, I've got, I've got 10 or I'm sorry, I've got nine siblings and over half of us are married now. And there's just a lot of grandchildren. And so mm-hmm. it's really fun and it's festive, but it doesn't always mean a lot of quality time. And like the, the talkers in the family are always the talkers in the family. So mm-hmm. like, it's cool. Like, um, I have a brother and sister-in-law too, that are coming over soon. And that's really fun because we get to just I get to see their little kids and I never see their little kids because they're just like all over with all the kids. You know, it's just like a jumble. And like, I get to talk with just them and get to hear, you get to hear like more real, like where people are at sometimes when it's a smaller group because it's not this huge setting. Mm -hmm. And so I don't know. I, I, there are blessings to it, but like, have we felt isolated at times? Yes. Mm -hmm. That is definitely. Yes. To answer the question. Yeah. 
Yeah, neither one of our families, um, well, yeah, we don't have like the weekly, you know, play dates or like we don't have the grandparents that take the kids every other Tuesday type situation. Like basically like neither of our parents are in life seasons to be able to do that. Yeah. Even if we live locally because their lives are so full. Exactly. So I think that makes it easier because it's not like, oh, if only we live closer to his parents. Yeah. There's another page there. Two pages. Great. I started from the back. You did. We're going back. kind of jump around. I just thought you could pick whatever one. Got it. Pick. Okay, cool. Nice. Um, it's not like this in our minds. Oh, if we only live closer to my parents or if we only live closer to Elisha's parents, Elisha's parents, then we could have a date night every night and drop the kids off there. Like that's just not how it works because there's tons of grandkids and there's tons of kids. And so, um, that's, that makes it easier to just, we'd be doing our own thing in some ways, either way. So, yes, right. I a hundred percent agree. Okay. I'm going to ask you a couple questions now. Okay. Uh, this one right here. Does having an online presence have any negative effects at all on you and your family? <laughs> I think it's funny that Elisha asked this to me. That's, this is the one you picked. Um, because I would say that for the most part, it's amazing. And for our listeners and our viewers and the now that we're a family community, we just feel so incredibly blessed to be a part and to hear your stories and that you guys are here to hear ours. Like that is just an incredible blessing to our family. I think that anytime you're online, you're basically saying, Hey, here's my life. What's your opinion on it? Um, to whatever level you decide to share. And so I just went through a little season about two weeks ago where I was really reading a lot of comments because it's, it's really fun to touch base with you guys in the comments to see what you guys are thinking, stuff like that. But whenever a platform goes through a season of growth, it brings in a lot of like-minded people who get where you're coming from. And it also brings in a lot of people who are just coming in from left field. They have no context with what you're sharing. They have no context, um, with, with our family or with their ministry or anything like that. And so that can bring in opinions that right, like make me want to defend, right. And be like, you don't understand blah, 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 you know? And, um, I don't like when my brain goes to that space because I lose perspective of who I'm actually speaking to, who I actually want to, uh, Lord willing, bless or open up discussions with and learn from. And I start focusing on people who are just blowing through for a video, you know, catching the first 30 seconds and moving on. And um, that's taking up my mental energy. So Elisha really had to encourage me to just step away because I think there's a, there's this element of being online where you develop a thick skin, which is helpful and kind of necessary because you have to be okay with people's opinions, um, whether you agree or disagree with them and whether they agree or disagree with you. But then it can cross over from being this kind of wall of protection into being this like briar of thorns. And I don't want to be a hard person or a bitter person or a person that comes off, you know, just telling everybody off you know, mentally or just attitude wise or, um, so I don't know. There's this element of you need to stay soft and you need to stay pliable and you need to stay open to criticism. And, um, so that's kind of tricky to navigate sometimes keeping yourself vulnerable and open, but also knowing like, okay, I don't need to give this person the time of day, uh, mm. mentally or emotionally. Yeah. 
Yeah. I feel like this question honestly could warrant like a whole episode because it being online has been obviously a big part of our life and it has triggered some of the more life-changing intentional decisions that we've made. I think us being smartphone free is because we have an online presence. Us becoming more screen free is because of the amount of time that we could spend on our computers working. And we don't want that to be our whole children's, or sorry, our children's whole childhood. Um, And then also just the, I think, safeguards we've had to put in place for, like you said, kind of protecting your confidence. Mm-hmm. But then the trick to that, like you said, is I don't want to become hard hearted. Mm-hmm. Like I don't, you can get to this place where you're like, okay, I just want to speak, speak the things that I believe in. And I want to be confident in that. Cause I feel like the Lord's put it on my heart. And then you shut down to any type of, you know, I guess helpful, but it was it called, you know, um, constructive criticism or beneficial input from Cause people do have good insights. Yes, and that's can right. See things in us that we can't see in ourselves. And yeah. And so there's, um, like on a part of me wants to just, you know, never once look at any comment or any message or any email and just be like, okay, we're going to create content and that's all mm-hmm. we're going to do. And we'll let it fall, you know, let the chips fall where they may. Um, but at the, but at the same time, I think the Lord can totally use people's feedback to really have us question our where we're going, the content we're putting out. Because, I mean, it goes without saying, we're going to be off on things. Like when you put out content on a regular basis, mm-hmm. you will say things that are not, you'll reference a Bible verse out of context, you know, and you don't even know it. Or you'll, you know, you'll have a bad attitude and you'll, and you'll present a, a certain concept not in the right light. Um, and, and so that's just a reality of being a human that communicates, whether that's in person mm-hmm. or online or wherever. And so I think that balance is something that we're always prayerful about and we want to be aware of. Yeah, I think I think my biggest current fear is growth is good, right? And the Lord has blessed us with growth. And a lot of you are new and that's that's incredible. We're so happy you're here. But um Again, with that growth, especially on our main YouTube channel. So when Elisha and I do the podcast, it's us, right? And we're adults and we're grown and we have each other. But on the YouTube channel, we do choose to currently show our children in select environments. And there has started to be comments about our kids. And I don't want my children to grow up and at seven and eight, you know, right now they don't read, they aren't online, but at seven and eight or 10 and 12 or 14 and 16, see these things said about them. Because I think that things that are said about kids can just be so detrimental when you're in those growing stages. And so Elisha and I have talked about that. If, if we need to, um, kind of totally close down that in the next year or two as our kids get more aware, or if we just need to go in and start hiding all comments or what we need to do going forward. It's just, we're just kind of navigating it one day at a time. But I think that that's definitely something um, that we're going to be on guard for. Like, I don't know how long we're going to be comfortable sharing our children in in even a select environment. Because obviously yeah. I used to story them every day and get them in their diaper and get everything they were saying and, and all that. And so we've changed that. But, um, but I don't know where it's going to go from here. So... You be praying for us <laughs> on that. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to ask you one more <clears throat> here. Um, where, what, where did it go? Okay, have you seen children at a young age proclaim Christ as their Savior? 
Yes. Why? <laughs> oh, man. Yes. And this is really, this question makes me really happy. Actually, our son, Leon, so he just turned six a week ago, and he's going to be baptized this upcoming week. Or I don't know, he might be by the time this this podcast releases. And so that is just obviously a huge blessing for Elisha and I since a very early age, I'd say around three and a half years old. He's always been a big communicator and has been able to communicate his understanding of his need for a savior and what Christ has done. And he's our little missionary. He tells everyone on the street about the gospel. Any kid he runs into, he tells them about the gospel. And, um, So our pastor, we don't go to a church where they baptize um, infants or young children. And so I was kind of hesitant bringing Leon to our pastor to um, talk about him getting baptized. But it was so sweet because all the questions that our pastor threw at him, he just, he knew what he felt and he knew what he believed. And um, more importantly, what he believed. Elisha's it's like triggered much? Me, yeah. yeah. yeah Elisha like, oh. flinches. <laughs> it's not based on your feelings, which is true. I'm grateful for that. Oh, sorry. Um, no, that's good. That's such an important distinction. Um, he knows what he believes. And I think that's really cool. I think being a three-year-old that professed a faith in Christ, I don't know, sometimes the verbiage around this Hey, you guys, I just wanted to tell you real quick about my homeschooling course, Homeschooling the First Three Years. It's all about laying a foundation of joy and confidence and fun and simplified homeschool in your home. So if you're in a place where maybe you're considering homeschooling your kiddos in the next few years, then this course is for you. It's going to break down not only what we do for homeschool in our family and what we've done for the first three years in homeschool, but it's also going to show you exactly how that looks. So I'm going to take a camera around with me vlog style and show you how does it look to homeschool with a baby? How does it look to homeschool with a toddler? How does it look to homeschool multiple grades at one time? How do you navigate um, different learning tendencies? How do you navigate your learning style as a teacher? And how do you motivate children and get them to love learning? I love homeschooling my kids. One of my favorite things that I get to do with them each day. And it's something that I want you to love doing with your children as well well. So if you look down in the description box, you will be able to find a discount code where you can get a discount off of homeschool the first three years. And I really hope that it blesses your home. Can be a little bit tricky, but anyways, I understood my need for a savior at three years old. Yeah, definitely knew I was a sinner in need of a savior. I knew what Christ had done for me. And that he took away my sins. And because I was such a young child and I totally remember that moment. And again, I was three. I just, I absolutely think that's the case. So. Yeah. We're, it's, it's really fun. I think all of our children right now that can talk or mm-hmm. have a saving faith, you know, and, and like they, they, the ones that have the vocabulary to articulate what the gospel is and what Christ has done and what, who they are apart from him say it. And, and I think that, so I've got no reason to believe that all of my children are saved. You know, like they, we, we do believe all our children are saved. Yeah. And there's, that's, I mean, that's how we treat them mm-hmm. every day. You know, we talk to them like they're Christians and we talk to them like Christ died on their behalf mm-hmm. and that his, his blood is sufficient for them. Um, and that that's the only way to salvation and that's how we do it. Um, yeah. So it's been, it's been fun. And, and like Katie said, you know, um, I know that the whole 
pedo or cradle baptism conversation. Like, wow, you just threw that in there in the middle of a random You're the one that, Q and A. No, I, you, I did not you use brought terms. it up. You said, you I said our terms. church doesn't baptize babies. Um, well, I just wanted people. to clarify um, why I was. Yeah. And it's, you know, but I think it's, it's a really good conversation to have as to, okay, like, do you, do you treat, do you raise your kids as though they're Christians or do you not? And, um, and I think Katie and I have it placed on our heart. It's like, yeah, we treat our children like they're saved and, mm-hmm. and we treat, we teach them the word and like, will we know for sure for, I mean, I don't, I don't know how you ever know for sure. Yeah, the You're Lord like, judges the hearts. So that's his job to know. Yeah, and somebody that makes a you know profession of faith at twenty and then denounces it at eighty-eight, it's like, oh man, you know, should we have gotten them baptized? You know, should we undo that that baptism? Um, and so it's, I I really don't know of any other way to parent other than believing that our children are saved yes. by faith. And as their faith, I mean, the Lord, the crazy thing is, is the Lord says to have the faith of a child, you know? And so I do think you see that just raw faith. It's not like our faith necessarily grows as we become adults. Sometimes it shrinks and it goes the other way yep. as we become these like realists or whatever. So mm-hmm. it's, it's really cool to just, obviously we're constantly trying to teach our children more so that they understand more about the gospel. And I do think that you grow to understand more what it means that Christ died for you and more what it means to be a sinner that's saved by that sacrifice. But it doesn't mean that it was any less uh, impactful to realize that as a as a young child yeah. too. You know, we, we realize things to the level that we know. And I think a young child can know and understand a lot. Yeah. I think it did become more of a topic of conversation. I mean, as I'm sure it does for anybody as your children grow, right? It's like when you don't have any kids, you don't think about when or how they should get baptized or anything like that. Cause you don't, you don't have them. And then as our children grew, I think something that stood out to us was how, because of our schooling style at home and because of our family Bible times and the various, and the catechisms that we're doing, it's like, boy, our kids, we talk to them like Christians. We interact as a family, like we're all Christians throughout the week. And then something that's kind of, you know, um, interesting about much of the Western church is this whole segregation of the family. Once you go, once you go to the Sunday meeting mm-hmm. and most of you know that that's something that Katie and I have not, uh, been proponents of and participated in that originally just had a preference. It's like, we wanted our kids to be with us. We wanted to be together as a family for them to witness us worshiping. We thought, you know, we think the gathering together of the saints is more than just the preaching of the word. And so, you know, all of the things that are a part of getting together as the saints, I think should include all of the Christians. And I think our children are the Christians there, you know, part yeah, of the like Christians. Our children are part of the church. <laughs> yes. And, um, and so our, and our church is very welcoming to kids in the mm-hmm. service, extreme, extremely pro having your kids. And then, but they also offer like a, a what they call children's church. Um, and so that's uh, something that we've had to talk through a lot. It's like, okay, w- you know, are, do we treat our kids like Christians six days out of the week? And then when we go to church, you know, treat them like, like junior varsity Christians, you know, or kind of like yeah. in a different category. And I just don't, that doesn't, that's not how I view it. It was like our Christians are, I mean, our, our children are going to worship with us just mm-hmm. as we worship with other Christians. Um, so that's currently where we're at with all that. Yeah, definitely. I mean, if you want to know where we're at on baptism, I would baptize the babies and Elisha probably isn't, would you? I mean, I think I, I don't want think to. think he would yet. I think I want to. It's, it's, it's the same thing everybody says. It's like, you know, you follow, you follow the logic through and 
I think you should baptize your babies, but then we also know that, you know, we're not to lean on our own understanding too, and you know? And babies are baptized in scripture. So you guys yeah. can see so what we've been It's, it's the It's the same about. circular conversation that's been going on around this topic for a long time, you know, where it's yeah. like, I feel like the logic is in the pedo camp, but then the actual texts and like the examples given are for, you know, people that have professed that's that's Faith the only, older. Yeah, that's the only examples we have in the Bible. Yeah. Um, and like you guys don't like I I believed in Christ and what he had done for me at three. And I've got bapti- baptized what a year or two ago? Yeah. So our kind of journey, even like with my own baptism, has kind of been interesting. Um yeah. So I mean, lots of conversations about baptism. Baptism can be like a whole entire People people build like full podcasts just around baptism. So yeah, you're right. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like we're just kind of touching on here. Don't like, don't like. I don't know. I feel like this could be like a heated debate for oh. people. I don't. I mean, whether but it I is or whether it, to it be isn't that way, you guys. Like, it's just this is just a discussion that we are having. Yeah, and um, I don't believe baptism actually saves you. So it's not like I'm concerned our kids are gonna die and go to hell if they didn't get baptized last week and they get in a car crash this week. Just like I was saved before I got baptized. Mm -hmm. Like, absolutely. I don't believe I just got saved two years ago or that Christ, like his blood just now covered my sins. Mm -hmm. I've been covered the whole time. So I don't know. Yeah. And I I mean, like they're the, I guess the views of (laughs) baptism are probably endless, but I don't think it's, whether it's a heated debate or not, a it just, it should probably be discussed because the Bible talks about it. And so we should talk about it. And like, it's, it's a good thing to talk about. And Mm -hmm. if that means some uncomfortable conversations, then it's like, oh, okay. Like grow up. That's life. You know, like there's going to, you're (laughs) going to, yeah. I mean, I'm talking patronizingly more like to myself and to us, just kind of like, well, okay, so is that just how we live life? You avoid uncomfortable conversations or conflict or disagreement. Um, yeah, I think if the Bible talks about it, it's probably worth It's worth discussing. discussing. And it's very, yeah. it's very interesting and it's educational and hopefully it, it's leading us closer to where we should be. But Yeah, I think anytime you're forced to like search out the word, it's going to bring forth some level of fruit. You know, his word doesn't return void. And when you go to it as the authority, it can be extremely edifying. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Baptism just wasn't on my radar for forever because uh, my family grew up in a church where you didn't get baptized at all. Yes. So these are all new discussions for yeah. Elisha and I. I should just say for context, like it wasn't like we grew up with this like deeply rooted tradition yes. of, okay, this is what happened in our church or whatever. It's like, Baptism just wasn't a part of my thought process. I just thought you didn't get baptized. Um, I always thought it was kind of interesting when people did. Yes. Yeah, you're right. And I think that that, of course, everybody's past or, you know, previous tradition they come from is going to have an influence on how they think now. And it is interesting that you came from a family like multiple, multiple generations back in your family that if anything was anti-baptism in general. Yes. Namely out of, uh, for the sake of, I think, isolating like the, the, the sole work of Christ being what can save us. Does that make sense? Like not thinking that anything we can do on top of his work, not wanting to preach or believe or act like anything we can do on top of Christ's work can save us. 
Mm-hmm. Something, would you say something along those lines? Yeah, well, yeah. I wouldn't probably want to get into all that right now. Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I have what like they're... 20 lighthearted questions, and we're like, Sorry. I was not prepared to talk about all this. Yeah, uh, what the heck? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, this was supposed to be a light, quick episode, Elisha. Uh, but I, I do think it's good. I mean, like we're saying, it's a good discussion. It's a discussion we're currently having. Welcome into the discussion. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing is that set in stone over here. Okay. Have you heard of Eve in Exile? Yeah. I, I, we haven't seen that, have we? Or it's a documentary yet. I have. Or it's a do- Oh, you have it's seen fantastic. it? It's fantastic. Oh, tell me about it. Um, it's on the Canon Plus app. Oh, okay. Nice. Eve in Exile. And it was so inspirational to me. I do think that feminism has really let women down. Surprise, surprise. Hmm. And I mean, even if you consider yourself a feminist, it's kind of interesting to go watch that documentary and consider what like the full package of feminism actually is and how it really just burns out women and says like, here, do double duty. Hmm. Like, I don't know how that was ever supposed to be a win for us. You know, so even, even though there are some things that I think feminism got right, it kind of explores how even if you agree with some aspects of something, that doesn't mean we should be embracing the whole package of what it stands for. And it was just really inspirational on being a woman and the impact that you can have in your home, in your community, and the impact you can have monetarily to your family and all those things, but with a biblical perspective. Nice. That sounds awesome. Yeah, it was really inspirational. I could watch it again. I would highly recommend it. Maybe I'll watch it with you. Yeah. It would be good. Um, oh, okay. I actually had the kids memorize that poem from G.K. Chesterton from that episode. They mentioned oh, is that it. right? So the kids all say, if I set the sun beside the moon, and if I set the land beside the sea, and if I set the flower beside the fruit, and if I set the town beside the country, and if I set the man beside the woman, I suppose some fool would talk about one being better. <laughs> nice. And it's so cute to hear the kids say that in their little kid voices. (laughs) Okay. Does Elisha monitor what Katie wears? (laughs) (laughs) There was a slight reference to it in a podcast episode. Yeah. I mean, I think we probably both monitor what what each other wear. You know, I think that I want to honor Katie and how I present. And I think you want to honor me on how I, and how you present. Yes. And so the way you, you know, you check the, the temperature on whether or not, like you know, the way you tell whether or not this is honoring your spouse is you like defer to them, you know, like, and so. I think something that, uh, we've kind of bought a lot of Christians have bought into is this like my body scenario in a Christian marriage and this autonomy in a Christian marriage that's actually unhelpful for us and unbiblical. I think, uh, there's a verse in first Corinthians that says, I think it's First Corinthians. I will link it okay, for you guys. Okay, here we go. <laughs> it says the the wife's body is not her own, but the husband's, and the husband's body is not his own, but the wife's. And I think that this comes out um, in various ways, but also <laughs> with um, our clothing. You know, if Elisha's just leaving the house in the speedo, and that doesn't feel honoring to me, then I have a hundred percent. What do you say? Right, I guess yeah. by scripture to be like, hey, we're one. That's not the way I would choose to present your body is my body. I'm protective of that. I want to enjoy it myself. And, um, 
the six pack needs to be covered up. Oh, well, you just asked me to change. <laughs> like you, you didn't like what I was wearing. This wasn't like a modesty thing, but no, we that was just a preference. Yeah, we were making a video right before this podcast, and you're like, "Can you please change out of that?" What's well, actually the sweatshirt I'm wearing now? So yeah, I mean, I made the video and then I put the sweatshirt back on. No, it was <laughs> Elisha. You aren't giving the whole context to it. <laughs> well, he was just wearing the sweat. It was that was totally just like a visual preference thing with that, that specific video. Yeah, and but I think stuff like that it doesn't even have to be a modesty piece. You know, yeah. it can be like, hey, I for this situation, like if if we're going to, you know, whatever the company dinner, mm-hmm. you're like, I, I prefer if you wore this suit or whatever. Like, you, you oh, say, well, yeah, and it's not even like Elisha doesn't come up to me. I don't know. I think people can like spin this however they want in their minds, but. You'd be like, oh, you look really good in this. Would you mind wearing that or whatever? Elisha usually doesn't ask me to wear things. He usually, but there have been times where I have worn things where he's been like, you know what? Would you mind if you put on a little longer dress for this scenario or something like like that? And I'm like, oh yeah, sure. Like, it's like not a big deal in our marriage. Yeah, I mean, to say monitor what, uh, it sounds like it's like, I, every outfit is curated. No, you know, I wear what my... I want to wear. And if Elisha, if he doesn't think it's maybe appropriate for the situation or whatever, just like I might give him a suggestion on his outfit, he gives me a suggestion on mine. And I can obviously choose to be like, no, I'm going to wear this because I want to. But like, I would way rather, first of all, I want him to think I look beautiful and attractive more than anyone else at wherever we're going to. And so I'd, I'd wrap, I choose to, I want to please him with what I wear. So, I mean, he's got a pretty wide taste preference though. I have, well, as far as I feel like I don't feel boxed in by what I can or can't wear. Like he hasn't given me like rules. No. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's just, it's just funny that it's like a crazy concept that we would want to conduct ourselves in a way that blesses our spouse. Like that I would have your, I would like that your preference, you know, that it might influence the, how I choose. Like, that's a good thing. Your preference and your appetite and your like ideals that should, you know, very much inform how I dress, how I behave, how I conduct myself, how I speak, how I carry myself. There's certain, you know, body language things that you're like, you know what? I don't like it when we're out in public and you, and you do this or you say that, or Mm -hmm. it's like, well, that's, thanks for telling me. Like you, I I want to honor you in that way. And I feel like that's a two way street. Um, Yeah. Like Elisha's preferences, I feel like shape every aspect of our home to a certain extent. Like I want to make meals that he likes. I don't want to serve food that he hates, you know, or I want our home to be enjoyable for him to be in. And I feel like that's likewise with me. If there's stuff that you're doing or your schedule's not working well for our home or like, I'm always free to mention my preferences. And I feel like you work as hard as you can to make that work for me. So it's like, it's preferring one another. And I tell you what, in a marriage, all that does is make your marriage happier yeah. and more blessed. Yeah. There's no there's no downside to when you're preferring your spouse, in my opinion, and, and in my experience. Yeah, it's crazy. Like when you do things for the sake of your marriage, it might seem like this short-term temporary compromise, you know, for you as an individual, but it results in two happier individuals. So a healthy marriage, you know, in a happy marriage it results in, in your individual happiness too, if that's something mm-hmm. that you're after, but it, it might 
on the surface require like this, you know, sacrifice of your personal preference Mm -hmm. for the marriage. But the marriage is more important than your personal preference. Like the, the marriage is more important than, I mean, really the marriage is the most important thing that God's given us on earth. Like it is the most important thing, like call it an institution or arrangement or covenant. Like it is relationship. And so you can't find anything that's really worth sacrificing or compromising your marriage for in this, on this side of eternity. Yeah. And I mean, like specifically, like what have been things that Elisha's been like, oh, I'd prefer if you didn't wear that is I would say for mainly for us, it's, I really like these, like, um, I think it, for us, it's mainly statement pieces. So if I wear something that like, looks like it came off of like Instagram, you know, like it, it maybe it looks great online cause it stands out, but then you're walking in it down the street and like everyone's staring at you because it's just, it, it's not like necessarily short or low or revealing or any of those things, but it's just like, Oh, that's very unique or that's very designer or something like that. Um, that's kind of been something that you're like, mm, I just, I just rather you not. It's, it's kind of like a loud piece, I guess. Yeah. Um, I think that's mainly the things that if, if my outfit looks a little loud, Elisha has asked uh, or preferred that I not wear it. In certain environments, like in, in certain, certain contexts, environments, which yeah. honestly I respect because modesty is not just a, um, it's not just like skin. What you're, it's yeah. not just how much skin you're showing. Yeah. It's how you're coming across. And both Elisha and I want people to see us and remember the conversation and how we presented and how they felt and all that. And we don't want them to be like, wow, I was just like staring at her giant necklace the whole time. Mm. Or like her shoes were just like so noteworthy. You know, like that's not what I want someone to come away from. Um, so I appreciate his outside perspective because sometimes I can get carried away and be like, wow, I look great. And then not really think, oh, if he's having that perspective that this is loud, other people that I'm around too are going to have that perspective that I'm being loud. And, um, I don't want that at the end of the day. So his perspective is a real gift. You know, what's interesting. I've been extremely convicted, especially since being married and having kiddos. Cause I gave no thought to modesty in through my teen growing up, you know, around a bunch of brothers. Like you never wear a shirt anywhere all summer long when you're working outside, when you're playing, inside, blah, 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 eating food. Yeah. Inside. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's just, and that was, that was just my reality in the context. And I carried that in to my young adult years. And then I carried that into, you know, our first year or two of marriage where I would, I would just not have a shirt like for most of the summer. Right. That yeah, was just kind we of had like a, a lot thing. of photos on Instagram without him with a shirt and stuff yes. like that. And sometimes people would ask me about it and I was just kind of like, what's the big deal? Like, yeah. I don't know. Well, I think too, you had brothers that would do the same thing. And yes, so you saw it in that context. Um, and friends, like none of my guy friends ever had shirts on. We all lived in the country mm. too. And so it was very conducive to just like, I don't know, that kind of lifestyle, I guess. Yeah. And then it was a we few years back where I was like, what am I doing? Like, and, and I think that this is just something that I was struck by is that modesty is what's spoken highly of in the Bible. Like that is a virtuous thing to pursue Mm -hmm. and it speaks so hot for both men and women. And so if you want to fall on either side of like the modest or immodest, it's like you should be striving for modest. It's a good thing. 
Mm-hmm. You know, it's like humility is a good thing. It's like, okay, I want to be humble. It's like, you know, being uh, sensitive. Okay, I want to be sensitive. It's like, should we want to be modest? Yes, we should want to be modest too. And that goes for guys and girls. And that really like shifted my perspective on like, wait a second, what's the goal here? Like, what can I get away with? Or what's my comfort zone? Or people just need to get over it. You know, I'm more comfortable without my shirt on. Or sorry, without my shirt. Yeah, exactly, without my shirt on. Uh, it's like, wait a second. Like my heart in this should be... the I, I want to be modest. Mm-hmm. And obviously don't look to us. You guys were like pointers of this and that. Like, I feel like whenever it comes to modesty, then people ask what standards are. And I do feel like I'm growing in this area as I become a mother to more children. And I'm thinking, okay, what am I mod- modeling to Lucy? And as I'm around more people and I'm thinking more about, okay, how are they going to view me in my, in my clothes? Are they going to be comfortable that their husbands are there? Are they going to be like, annoyed because we all know like the girl in the room where we're like annoyed at them because of how they look. (laughs) You know what I mean? I don't want to ever be that person to someone else. And, uh, but I don't feel like we're like have reached full maturation in this process. And there's still times when I definitely feel like I messed up or I see stuff in my closet. I'm just like, Oh man, that probably needs to go. I do think like with Elisha, I, I remember asking him, I think we were out playing volleyball. Yes, He's wearing right. his jeans and all the young guys took their shirts off and Elisha took his shirt off too. And I don't know, it was like since being married or something, but I was just like, it to me, it just seemed like too much. And I was like, would you mind putting your shirt on? Like, I just felt so uncomfortable with, frankly, how hot he looked in his oh, jeans yeah. with his shirt off. Um, and so he really honored me in that. He didn't make a stink of it and be like, all the other guys have their shirts off. If your brothers do, like, what's your problem? Or I've always done this. What's your problem? He was just like, oh yeah, no problem. And, um, that's been something that he's done in the, you know, since, since then. Yeah. He's blessed me and, and honored my comfort level with, um, how he's appearing sexually. (laughs) At least to me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, and that's the thing is that that's regardless of how much defense you can make, you think for what you're wearing and what you're not wearing. Like you said, all the other guys, like nobody else looks at me like that or just as, you know, we're out playing Mm -hmm. volleyball. It's hot. This is totally normal. It's like, no, Katie's the one who gets to say whether Mm -hmm. or not they're comfortable with my appearance in that context and, and vice versa. You know, you Mm -hmm. could say, Hey, like everybody, you know, is wearing dresses like this. More back talk than he's given me. You've always been so gracious, and I always learn from that. Well, I, I think it's probably less common, maybe, I don't know, that, like, I think men are more likely to feel that... Uh, that way about their wife. Yeah, sexually yeah. protective. You know, mm-hmm. I was just kind of like, oh, my goodness, like, I do not want, you know, guys looking at you like this, or I don't want mm-hmm. that to be the impression that you're giving. Um, it's just like we're a lot more sensitive to it. And so I think that when I sensed any of that from you, I was like, boy, I know how much that bugs me, and I do not want to make you feel that way. Yeah. So I would say this doesn't really come up in our marriage as a general rule. We know what each other prefer at this point. And it is a rare, a rare moment when we are off on what we would, how we would like to present in an environment. Yes. Together. Wouldn't you say? Absolutely. And I feel, like I feel kind of dumb, like, cause I feel like this jacket is like my, it's like my that's one, this, cool jacket. this is my cool guy jacket. I know. And I feel kind of <laughs> silly having this conversation. You know I mean, it's obviously not like immodest, but it, it is like the one, put up the blur screen, Luke. 
yeah. on his jacket. On my jacket. It's, yeah, I always, it's like when I want to feel cool, it's like, man, those days were like, what? I know, that's happening? my trash bag jacket. You know, like my like really shiny, puffy oh, yes. jean jacket. Yes. I feel a little like too cool in that jacket. <laughs> you pull it out every once in a while. Oh, goodness. Yeah, so there's that. I don't know. We're, we're both happy with where we stand on that. Um, but always but always wanting to grow. Yes. Uh, as we grow towards Christ. Okay, um, a five-year-old bed wetter, what can be done? I mean, don't look at me. You're the, you're the pro when it comes to the training with well, this. Well, I'm not the pro because I wet my bed till I was 10. <laughs> I come from a long line of serial bedwetters. Like oh. my dad and my uncles were in their teens before they stopped wetting the bed. So I guess my encouragement to you is five is not that old. <laughs> Don't stress <laughs> yeah, out. It gets better with each generation. You can, you can have a highly functioning adult that um, struggled with bedwetting for too long. So, I mean, for me as a kid, it was a sign of anxiety. Um, it like, like I'd go a period of time and then it would come back. And, um, I think some of that came from looking back. I think some of it came from moving a lot. There were certain things like I couldn't find the door in my bedroom because my bedrooms are constantly changing. And it was just kind of funny. I thought of that the other night because I had this episode where I couldn't find the door in our room. And I was like, it like flashed me back to a kid where I would just be walking along the walls and not know where the door was to get out to the bathroom. Wow, stressful. Yeah. It's and so I was sad. like, and it dawned on me, I was like, I think part of that might have contributed to my bedwetting. <laughs> Looking back, uh, I like just had this aha moment. Um, so some of it can be stress related, some of it can just be developmental related. Some of it can be like our kids will go through our kids. Are, okay. I had low standards as you can hear about our kids sleeping through the night. They've all slept through the night without bedwetting at three. So apparently they didn't get my gene. They got Elisha's and, but that doesn't mean that they don't have little relapses, mm-hmm. um, where they go maybe two or three nights and they're just like wetting the bed. And it's like, what's going on? So usually how we handle that situation, once they've, once I know like they can have success, um, I usually just go in when I go to bed, like at 10 or 11, wake them up, take them to the potty and get them back in bed. Mm -hmm. And I'll do that for a couple nights and that usually gets them out of it. Nice. Um, My mom did that for me for years and it never got me out of it. (laughs) (laughs) As far as like, it would keep me from bedwetting that night, but then when she'd stop doing it, I'd stop. So when you, when you're a kid, like, and you couldn't find the doors, you just get back in your bed and go to the bathroom. <laughs> like, I forget it. Well, I like, think like the next time, you know, I just kind of like have that bad memory yes. and I just kind of stay in bed. Yes. So then did you almost put well, your bed the no. other night when you couldn't find the door? <laughs> Is that, like, you just went like, I forget you know, it. I'm there's getting back some in things bed. that not everybody needs to know. <laughs> no, I think it would be more like I would be laying in bed. You know how you have yeah. those dreams where you think you're doing something and you're not? I think that's a classic bedwetting. I mean, maybe you have more of these memories than most people. But you think you're getting up, you're going to the bathroom, you're trying to find the door, you're trying to find the door, you're trying to find the door, and you wet your pants. And then mm-hmm. you wake up in the morning and you're like, I don't think I ever left my bed. Yeah. So... I have way too many of those memories. (laughs) Oh, I know it was like anxiety and stress induced though, because one time, okay, I'm telling you guys something I've never told anybody, except for Elisha, he knows, he knows all my, 
<laughs> secrets was I was 14 years old and we were my parents were gone on a trip and we were staying with relatives for a few days. And as the oldest, I took a lot of responsibility for my younger siblings. And I was that classic kind of control freak. Like I knew how my mom did things Mm. and these relatives weren't doing the same thing that my, you know, my mom would have done in the situation. And that really stressed me out. And I wet the bed Mm. and I remember waking up and just being mortified and like going and washing my blankets and like not wanting anyone to know because I was so humiliated, but I was also like so stressed in that living situation. So wow. anyways, Katie's trauma from her past. (laughs) Uh. Yeah. Anyways, um, how we get our kids to stop wetting the bed. <laughs> One more thing. Okay. This could be helpful. I think it's okay? helpful. Yeah. There are bedwetters everywhere. No, I feel like I understand you more us. than ever. So stop. I know how to love you better now. You know. <laughs> oh my goodness. Is we, I would say, okay, if you get three dry, oh no, if you get a, four days of, no, Okay. Start over. Let's get the facts straight. If you get seven days of dry pull-ups, then I will give you a pack of gum. That worked for the first two kids because they are super competitive and they wanted to get a pack of gum if the other child was getting a pack of gum. So mm. they did it at the same time. Wow. With my third, he was less motivated, mm-hmm. but I knew he could do it because he'd wake up every morning. Like he'd lay in bed because it was cozy and not get out of bed kind of thing, you know, because there was mornings he'd have dry pull-ups. So for him, I told him every morning you wake up with a dry pull-up, I will give you a piece of gum. Nice. Gum is very motivating in our home. Yeah. It's a, and so after a week he was great. So, I mean, clearly I have no tips there because that's what my mom offered me and no, that was not going to work. That's a great tip. Like you changed your tactics a bit and it Exactly. Got to motivate, motivate differently. Okay, two more real quick. Okay, they better be quick. Okay. Do you guys listen to any secular non-Christian music? And if yes, any that you can share? None that we can share. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm totally teasing. I had to like think about this. Do you have any secular artists you listen to that you'd recommend? I mean, I you know, growing up playing all my acoustic music, like all... We have a ton of acoustic y- secular music. Like instrumental, you mean? Yes. Um, yeah, so tons of instrumental that um, yeah, is like made by non Christians, you know, um, like Nickel Creek. And well, there's there's lyrics. So they're not just instrumental, but um, oh. yeah, they have a lot of vocals and stuff. So I'd say like my biggest, you know, musical influences were not are not Christian. Um, you know, Chris Thiele. You know, he's like the guy, of course, on the mandolin. He's not a Christian. Nickel Creek. You know, not a Christian band. Um, I mean, I really like like. All, you know, Corey Wong, people have heard me talk about him. Corey Wong's like a new, we found him, to, you found him, but since we've been married, yeah. we got really into his Corey Wong and the Wong notes. Yeah. He actually influenced the branding of now that we're a family. Yes, you're we right. We went yellow and blue because we were, we loved the feel of watching his. Yeah. The Corey Wong and the Wong notes. Yeah. Corey yeah. Wong and the Wong notes on yeah. YouTube. Yes. Um, so he has kind of like a funky sound to his music and, um, well, yeah, I mean, like, it's funk. It is yeah. funk. Yeah. It's it's funk. And I never listened to funk growing up, but it is kind of fun every once oh, in a while. Oh, yeah, it's really life-giving, fun music. And then he collaborates with, like, tons of great musicians. So even a lot of the old acoustic people I listened to growing up, you know, Bela Fleck or Sierra Hall, 
um, he's collaborated with. Um, I mean, Victor Wooten, you know, he's collaborated with. And so a bunch of those people that were like all the people that we listened to growing up, um, he, he's, yeah, he's collaborated with. And so Elisha's like a big time musician, like in the actual, like, art of music. I don't know if it's the art. I think I like technicians. Technicians. I like, I like I'm trying to say abilities. like he cares about the people who play the instruments, not like the the like catchy song. I feel like yeah. Well, like for instance, yeah. Katie will know verbatim the lyrics to a song after listening to it one time. Yeah. Like she is very lyrically in- or intuitive of- or in, uh, like I'm lyrically driven. Yeah, I listen motivated. to a song for its lyrics. Yeah, and there'll be songs that I've you know listened to for twenty years. And I'm like, I have no clue what the lyrics are, and so I don't know. Are we answering the question? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, I'd say those are the people that you would say you listen to. I don't listen to any music in our home that is not uh, Christian music, and even that very sparingly. Like I listen to like Maranatha, basically. Well, that and, would be like the most. Uh, rambunctious music we listen to is Maranatha. We listen to a lot yeah. of slow instrumental hymns like and jazz and slow hymns. Like I have enough noise in my home yes. without bringing in other voices. So that's yes. not something I listen to in my home. The only time I listen to secular music and the only time I listen to music in general is if I'm in the car and it's the country music station. Yeah. <laughs> and like sometimes you know, country music's such a toss-up. You can't just say you like country music because obviously there's just like trash country music. And then there's country music where you're just bawling your eyes out yes. driving down the road. I like the bawling your eyes out yes. songs, not the like trashy, raunchy yes. ones. You're so anyways, more of like a, all my exes live in Texas. No, like kinda. I loved you first or um, I thought I loved you then. Yeah, remember when, yeah. Remember when, so, walking well, or This home. is the thing too though is that uh, with music in our home, I think Katie and I are both very intentional on what we want our home to be. And so first thing in the morning, we've got extremely soft, almost spa-like instrumentals. Like they're, they're very, they're easing us into the day and it's setting the tone in our attitude and in the kid's attitude. Uh, Like we cannot do high energy. Like I cannot do modern day contemporary no, yeah, it gives I mean, me a headache. Contemporary, like, contemporary Christian music just does not work for me any hour of the day at all. And uh, and so we, I think, and then evening time, it, we always put on instrumental jazz mm-hmm. for dinner, and that takes us all the way into our family Bible time. You can really then, control the mood in your home with music. And so I would say we control the mood in our home with music. That's like what we do with music. It's yes. this tool we use to quiet our home, Yes, not to like you know, buzz it up every yes. once in a while. If I feel like the day is a little dull and the kids want something to do, I'll turn on like Steve green. I've mentioned that. And those are the little kid bouncy songs and they run around and dance in the living room. And it's like a fun 20, 30 minute, give them something to do. Um, but that's not like what we just have playing in our home. Yes. It's usually like calm, chill. Yes. Yeah. So, okay. Let's in there. Great. We got to get home. We got to get to our food. The adrenaline is keeping us going right now. Yeah, you guys, thank I'm you like all. Shaking. Thank you all so much for listening. Listen to us, please. No. Wow. What? No. Wow. No. That was so intense. It no. sounds like an SOS. Well, I'm message. just trying to replay this episode and, you know, 
Whatever. I'm not going to make any disclaimers. No, don't. no, it just was what it was. So we could do that at the yeah. end of every episode. We go home and are like, oh, okay, yeah, that went okay. Um, yeah. So we have a lot of other questions, which makes it fun. We could do a whole other episode. Nice. These always go so much longer than I think. We're so long winded on answering questions. All right. Talk to you next week. <laughs> bye bye. Bye.